Hey there. This episode is an extra, which here at Why Don't We Know we are defining as something we really didn't expect to talk about this season, but nevertheless, it's emerged as an important part of the conversation around secrecy in public education. And this one is particularly relevant right now as students are returning to some campus dorm rooms for the start of an unprecedented semester during a global pandemic. Trying to figure out what to do to keep kids safe and still give them the education they deserve, that is no enviable task. I have a family full of teachers and school administrators, and I feel for them. No one knows exactly what's right. But just because you don't know what's right doesn't mean you don't know what's wrong. Here's an example of what I mean. Southern Illinois University is one of the schools that has chosen not to make public information about COVID-19 cases, even though other state universities in Illinois and around the country are sharing that information. And the student newspaper, The Daily Egyptian, reported on how this is putting people in danger, writing in early August that three resident assistants were upset after a chance encounter with someone who was delivering items to a COVID-19 patient. It was the first that they had heard that there was a case on their floor. One RA told the newspaper, there are zero precautions in place that keep us safe. That quote is concerning. It's also anonymous, which brings me to the point of this extra. We talked at length in episode two about how our research found that public universities are blatantly and unconstitutionally violating the First Amendment by explicitly writing in rule books that athletes risk losing their scholarships and their place on the team if they talk to the media without first getting permission. More research by the Breckner Center shows similar bad policies are in place for resident assistants. Of the 20 school policies that we were able to obtain, we found at least 11 were problematic. Saying things like, do not speak with any media, and call the department head if the media has questions. Maybe the worst example we found was at East Carolina University, where an RA contract says the director must be told of all media contacts, even in a personal, unofficial role. Well, I'd say first blush, if they're being told they can't talk about it, yes, that's automatically going to be a violation of the First Amendment. That's Lewis Clark, the executive director of the Government Accountability Project. You have the freedom of speech. You're working for a public university. Uh, if, If this public university ends up essentially directing you that you cannot speak publicly about anything related to the job, then that in and of itself is a violation of the First Amendment because they're the government. And the First Amendment is directed at the government. So private institutions might be able to get away with something like this, but public institutions cannot. Similar to our reporting on colleges gagging the rights of athletes, this is one of those things that reporters across the country run into all the time if they cover higher ed. And by searching through local news reports, we found five more citations of unconstitutional policies, bringing our total number to at least 16. Reading through these news reports, I noticed that many times it's written as a given. Something like, per university policy, resident assistants are not allowed to speak on the record. Basically, it reads like, 
of course we have to quote them anonymously. And while this isn't something new, the coronavirus pandemic does put a nice bright yellow highlight on why this is bad policy. RAs are not just employees talking about their workplace, but they're students talking about their home. Adam Steinbaugh is with the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. The broader world is struggling to respond to the pandemic, uh, and institutions of higher education are uh, not islands in uh, dealing with that. Uh, I think it's important that institutions, especially institutions of higher education, uh, be able to allow people to voice those concerns. You know, this is a bit of conjecture, but I assume they don't want people speaking out. So therefore, they provide that, in, you know, in, in that instruction with the assumption that people are, are going to abide by that and, and won't speak out, even though it's a, a matter of great public concern. There is no way speaking about an outbreak uh, or dangers related to COVID is not a public concern. Therefore, it does meet the threshold test of a good First Amendment case. We used public records requests to obtain these policies. And as I'm sure you know by now, because I say it all the time, records requests do not guarantee us information. They guarantee us documents. And every once in a while, we'll get a document that has been marked by someone internally before it's turned over as required by law. That happened in this episode. Here at the University of Florida, we got a copy of the policy with a section highlighted in yellow. The highlighted portion says that an RA, quote, is not allowed to speak to any member of the media unless requested or given permission to do so by a member of senior management. And then below that is a note that reads like this. When a government forbids a person from speaking about a certain issue, and it does so in advance of the speech, the government entity has probably violated that person's First Amendment rights. It's not entirely clear who made that marking. All we know is that it was made before we got the document. I asked the University of Florida if that policy is still in place, but I didn't get an answer. Why is it that you think that they can get away with this? Well, because they know it's that's uh, you know a big lift for any individual you know to get counsel and to lodge a complaint against a university would cost many thousands of dollars, so they don't expect that's going to happen. Well, I I would say first of all, institutions tend to want to control information, and so therefore uh, they do often uh, end up prom- uh, prom- promulgating. Uh, Uh, policies that they assume people uh, will abide by even if they're unconstitutional. Because I think that there's uh, not much pressure on them to do so. Uh, I think that uh, students are transitory. They're only there for uh, a couple of years and the first year or two they are still getting their sea legs for the uh, collegiate environment uh, and may not have a full appreciation of their rights or how to articulate them. Uh, and you know, there isn't just much. There's there's just not much pressure on them from any other source to uh, come up with a better policy. People rarely sue over these, uh, and uh, I think that they can say, you know, okay, if there's a, uh, a bad story about our policy, uh, that's a process story, and uh, not many people are going to care about that unless you are uh, 
someone who is super interested in transparency, uh, which unfortunately uh, is a small number of people. Well, we're hoping to change that. I hope so. <laughs> because if, if it is uh, somewhat outrageous that uh, an institution can tell someone, don't talk to the media, uh, and your voice is just cut off. Uh, I, I think it's a shame. It shouldn't happen. In fact, educational institutions in particular uh, should honor the First Amendment. There is one distinction that I feel is important to make. Universities can tell employees, like resident assistants, that they cannot speak on behalf of the university. That's not what's happening in these policies that we're talking about here. These policies are a blanket ban on speech, and that's what makes it unconstitutional. This extra was reported and produced by me, Sarah Gannam, with additional reporting by Tori Whitten and Kelly Hayes, who filed open records requests. This episode was edited and mixed by James Sullivan. The executive producer is Frank Lamonti. Why Don't We Know is a production of the Breckner Center for Freedom of Information at the University of Florida. A special thanks to the Hearst Family Foundation for providing the grant money that supported this reporting. For more information, visit our website at www.whydontweknow.org.